Welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Oana. My name is Melanie, and I'm so glad that you joined me here today. We're going to talk with Ellie Holcomb, an award-winning musician and artist. But Ellie isn't just a musician and artist. She's also a disciple and a mom, which makes her a disciple maker of kids. And the conversation that we're going to have today is one that gets to the heart of why discipleship is so important to the work that she does. Because that discipleship priority is at the heart for all of us, right? Seeing kids know the love of Jesus is what makes our heart beat, isn't it? And there's no better time than to welcome in this season of Jesus being here with us on earth than Advent. If you head to childdiscipleship.com, you'll see an incredible resource for parents to mark this time with their kids, to welcome Jesus into the world, and to remember what it must have been like for Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, to come and be among His people. But for now, here's that conversation with Ellie Holcomb. Ellie, tell me about just you have had such a successful music career and it's really shifted into this place of genuine discipleship and worship particularly for children so how did you get there it's really a it's a sweet story because it is was not um my plan i actually mm. i think i always say god has a sense of humor because um I got my master's in education. So I was an mm-hmm. English teacher for two years before I became a musician. Um, but I was writing music from the time. And actually, my first songs that I ever wrote were scripture. I The way mm-hmm. God wired me, like when I was in middle school and high school, like baby Ellie learning how to play the guitar, when I would read the Bible, I just would want to, I just wanted to sing it. Like, so I, my first, I think my first song that I ever wrote was Psalm 108. I just started singing it when I was reading it in my room. And, um, and that's on my first little tiny record that I made little EP called Magnolia, but it, it, I, so God made me like that. And for whatever reason, when I sing, it helps me believe and I think that's, I think he tells us to sing in scripture because he knows that's true. He's wired us. It's like sometimes when our mind can't get there, if we yeah. can be embodied and like let the truth be in our bodies as we sing it out, it helps shift something in my heart for sure. But mm-hmm. I think in a lot of our hearts, worship does that. Um, and so I, um, I swore I'd never be a musician because I grew up in Nashville. My dad's a producer and I was like, Oh, fame is hard. Like I watched it be hard on some families and I was like, I don't want to do music, but I also saw the power of music to connect and to inspire and bring hope to people. And so Mm. I feel really grateful for that background. But basically I swore to never do music. I swore to never marry a musician. And everybody thought I should get together with my best guy friend in college. And I was like, that is never going to happen. And here I am married to my best guy friend in college who was a musician. And now I do music too. So, um, for, for transitioning into the, the, my heart for kids, um, obviously I've got three kids of my own. And so we're in the beautiful, like 
you know, journey of learning what it means to help them understand and experience God. Um, Emmylou, we've got three kids. Emmylou's 10, Huck is seven, Rivers is four. And um, I obviously was, you know, wanting to help them hold on to the truth. And so I was trying to help them memorize scripture and it was um, pretty hard. They weren't doing um, and I have been member. I've, I've scripture memory is a big deal to me because, um, you know, uh, gosh, it's almost like 14 years ago. I had a friend who struggled with depression and we started memorizing scripture to, mm. um, to help kind of kick back at the mm. lies and the darkness with the light and the truth. And it changed us. I've got a whole book mm. about it, a devotional for adults called fighting words. Um, mm. but but I, so, I, but I was like, I wanted, I wanted to hand scripture down to my kids. Um, and anytime I tried to get them to memorize it, we just really struggled all of us. <laughs> so what ended up happening very naturally is I just was like, oh, okay, well, this is the way that I memorize scripture guys. I just mm -hmm. sing a song. And so I would just write them a song and we would sing it. We have these little scripture cards, A through Z each starting with a different Bible verse. And so we were just kind of working through those. And yeah. it was so beautiful because as I started singing scripture with them, I saw them singing scripture too. And there's some great resources out there. Um, Seeds, Family Worship, Randall, yeah. Good Game with Slugs yeah. and Bugs, Sing the yeah. Bible. Um, yeah. And so that, so we were listening, you know, listening to some of that as well, but it, I just was like, there is something about song and kids and the Lord that yeah. I don't know if it was really alive in our home. And so yeah. um, I was not, I had been approached by uh, B&H to write books for children. They asked me, you know, they came and they were like, hey, Ellie, we really would love for you to consider writing some children's books. You know, I built, I had this music career going and they were like, we just feel like a lot of kids connect with your music, which I wasn't writing music for kids specifically at that point, but they were like, we just feel like you, you're a mom. This is where you are. You're doing this anyway. Like, would you consider writing a book? We had three meetings with them. And I was like, guys, I love that you think that I could do this, but <laughs> I, my plate is full. Like I just, I don't know. I just, I'm so honored and I love kids and I have a heart for kids. We worked with Young Life a lot, which is a an organ parachurch organization that believes yeah. every kid everywhere yeah. deserves a right to hear a chance to hear the gospel in a way that they can understand and, and have a chance to respond to. And so um, I was like, this is very near to my heart, but I just, my plate is full. Sorry. And finally, I loved it. Michelle Freeman, my, my um, kind of A&R person at VNH was like, would you just Try, like, just ask God and sit down and maybe just see what comes out. Like, don't even write anything, but just like write some ideas down. And in this same season, my sweet little girl, Emily came and through the kitchen one day, right after Michelle had said that. And she said, Hey, mom, I love kids and how many questions they ask. Um, I think it's one of the best things about them. Yes. I think it's something we lose sometimes as adults the spirit of like wonder and curiosity. Um, 
I think as adults, we feel like we have to have all the answers or I do yeah. sometimes <laughs> and yeah. I don't have all the answers. In fact, the older that I get, less answers I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, so I think there's something in like kids are really comfortable with curiosity and mystery and wondering and not knowing. And so I feel like I learned from my kids a lot in that way. But she came through um, the kitchen one day and just very casually was like, mom, who sang the first song? And I was like, that is an amazing question. And sometimes as a parent, you don't know the answer or like how you want to answer that. And so a good tactic to buy yourself more time is just to like flip the question back around. (laughs) Who do you think sang the first song? (laughs) Right question. Who do you think sang the first song? And she was four at the time and she shrugged her little shoulders and she was like, Dolly Parton. Oh, I love and that. We love Dolly Parton and she sends us books. She has that whole wonderful program sitting. And I was like, that's a great guest, yes. baby. But all of a sudden, it's sort of the combined invitation to write for children. And then that question that my little girl asked in the kitchen, I, it just sent me um, really on a treasure hunt of sorts. Mm-hmm. And um, I am so like flabbergasted that what I'm about to say is true, but um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, who wrote, who's written so many wonderful children's books, but one of the the biggest discipleship tools in our home is the Jesus Storybook Bible that she wrote. And um, she is a friend of mine. We've made some music together. We've toured together. And so I remembered in her family devotional, um, which she doesn't call it a devotional because she just thinks kids would be bored by that. <laughs> sure. So, I just love, I love her. I have learned so much about um, discipling children from her. Um, but she, uh, she calls it thoughts to make your heart sing. And when she, in that um, little devotional, and then also in the creation story, she uses this language about God singing the world into being. And he set the whole universe dancing. And so I called her up and I was like, okay, Sally, my little girl asked me this question. Who sang the first song? Like, you know, what is that like a beautiful metaphor God gave you? Is this like theologically granted? Like talk to me, teach me. And so she pointed me to a Tim Keller sermon, which I'm like, Man, just the timing of him passing, this is sweet to tell this story, but um, he he talked about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and how some people say they don't line up and they're not saying the same thing. And he's like, no, they don't. They don't say exactly the same thing, but Genesis 1 is actually written in the form of an archaic Hebrew poem. And there's a rhythm to it. And in the morning, there was evening and there was morning and God said it was good. Like there is, there's a chorus, right? There's a chorus to that. And, um, and so he said, I don't want to talk about, you know, how God made the world, but I want to talk about why God made the world. And Mm -hmm. I love that. And if he, if the first you know, chapter of the Bible, the first scripture we read in Bible is a form of a song. Why would God do that? Why would he put, and and he's like, I do believe it's because he made all of us. He designed all of us, creation and every human being 
this thing, this thing of his goodness and of his glory. And so I just was like, oh my goodness. And so it just sent me, I, so my first children's book was born, who sang the first song. And as I was writing that book, I just thought, man, there are so many songs that I've, I grew up singing, right? Like we can still remember them. My God is so big, yeah. so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my yeah. God cannot do for you. And yeah. I'm still singing those songs that I sang. I just think about all the people listening to this, parents, people who are in leadership and discipling young kids. And I'm like, I know so much truth about God from the songs that I sang about God from when yeah. I was little. It makes me want to up. And so I just thought, man, I'm trying to memorize scripture with my kids. They're being able to do that better with song. I still carry the songs that I sung when I was a kid. And I was like, what if I could put this book, which I love. And when I was writing the book, it's amazing. It's a great editing tactic, actually, when you're writing a children's <laughs> book, because they have to be short. And so do songs you really need. So it felt so, so in line with the way that God designed me when I was mm. writing. I, I actually like would sing the book and I'm like, okay, this song is too long. So we got to cut it down. And what, yeah. what's the chorus? What's the refrain that we need to sing? And so it's just been an absolute delight to think about um, planting seeds in children's hearts, in my own kids' hearts, and in the hearts of other children. Um, and it's just the grownups in their lives, too. I think sometimes as grownups, we tend to overcomplicate things. Um, but to, to help little hearts carry around heaven-sized truths, like massive yeah. truths, um, and that's the kingdom of heaven, right? It's the yeast, yeah. it's the seed, it's small and it grows into something really big. And so um, that that sort of is the story of how I sort of came online with, with the Lord and, um, and using the gifts and the ways that he made me to help um, to help parents and the kids and the kids and the parents um, sort of circle back around and ground themselves in what's true. Yeah. Oh, just listening to you brings up so many people in my own childhood. We were huge. Steve Green, 1999, I think, hide them in your hearts, right? Like we listened to that album on repeat all the time. Obviously, Awana is such a huge, our, the, the foundation of what we, the reason we exist is because Art Rohrheim and Lance Latham sat down and said, let's put this, these words in our heart, not only because the Bible tells us to, but we should, because it helps us to navigate those moments you talked about with your friend where it pulls us out of the darkness and it helps us to see God in a way that um, it can be wherever we are. Yeah. Right. It can. And I love this, like thoughts to make your heart sing. I love that phrase too, as well, because it's this, it's such a visual picture of um, like, I might not have my Bible in that moment, but that does not mean that I cannot sing and worship and glorify God right exactly where I am. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that ties so beautifully just into general discipleship. Right. Because often my hang up as a parent is that I sit there and I think that I need to have this really well-crafted experience and we're going to have these beautiful intentional conversations that might go for like 10 or 15 minutes because my kids have such a heart for the Lord 
but what it actually winds up looking like are the, <laughs> the moments in between where they're sidling, like they're siding up next to me during dinner. And my daughter's asking like, mom, can I be your kitchen helper? And all I want to do in that moment is say, no, honey, I just got to get dinner ready and put on the table and move on. But those are the actual moments of discipleship where she's mm -hmm. come alongside me, where she's pulling out her little wooden knife to chop up the tomatoes in some way that will be delicious. They might not look like tomatoes anymore, but they will taste like tomatoes. <laughs> and it's there where she, they ask those questions or where we sing a song together or where well, those are the, the patterns of Deuteronomy that says, you know, teach them to your children when you're walking and when you're like sitting down and when you're rising and when you're walking along the way, right? And so what that looks like for a modern generation is going to be taking what I think is so uniquely what you just said, taking what fits your family so well. And you just described what fit our family well was through music, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah. like, so as you've continued to walk this path of discipleship with your kids, particularly through music, what have you learned about God when you've engaged with your children in this kind of way, so mm -hmm. intimate and deeply through just discipling them through scripture and music? Yeah, well, you know, just like what you're saying, whether it's chopping tomatoes or it's, um, I mean, I feel like as a parent, maybe I'm the only one that this happens with, but probably not because we're all humans. Um, I feel at this point um, like a referee. <laughs> you know? I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, blow the whistle, like reset. Yeah. We're not going to talk to each other like that. What just happened? And Yes. So I think there are so like the, a lot of discipleship right now, um, looks like, uh, in when we make mistakes, right? <laughs> like yeah. when we lose our patience, when anger gets the best of us and shoves love and peace and kindness yeah. out of the way. Um, and so it's been a really, I think, I think right now, something that I'm seeing is, um, I, I'm, I was thinking about, um, wanting to teach my kids how to pray. And, um, and I was thinking back to my mom who is a prayer warrior. And I'm like, it's so interesting because mom never sat down like with a formal lesson plan, not that lesson plans are bad or like sitting down to actually right. teach your kids is bad. That's like probably right. really beautiful and important too. But the way yes. that she taught me to pray was she prayed. She prayed yeah. all the time and she invited us to pray. And she prayed when things were hard. She prayed when she was stressed. She prayed when we were scared. She, she told me to pray when I was having a hard time with my friends. She would tell me to pray for my enemies who, you know, the people who were the teachers who were hard for me or whatever. She'd be like, you know what, I'll, I really think you need to pray for them. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want you to tell me right now. I'm like, take out my cause and feel sorry for me and whatever, you know, but she just modeled it and lived it out. And, um, and I have had the privilege of also having parents who modeled out confession, like yeah. who just would be willing to say when they got it wrong or when they lost their temper, they would be like, oh man, mommy needs to ask for forgiveness and for mercy. And I need to ask God for peace. And so 
It is, um, and for patients. And so it's been a really, I think, um, as I teach my kids to ask God, I, I was just having a conversation with my son yesterday about this. He was like, I don't have any patience for my little brother. And I was like, buddy, me neither. But <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we going to do about this? And I, and I was like, do you know what's so beautiful about God? He loves it when we ask him for help. And so I think for me right now, discipling my kids um, looks like me asking for God's help too, in, with them and in front of them. And it is so beautiful. And then so acknowledging like, oh God, we need help. Would you give us patience? And he delights to give us that, right? And so, yeah. and yeah. then um, having eyes after we ask for help for something like that, having eyes to say, buddy, remember when we were asking God for patience the other day? Patience. He's growing patience in your heart. And so um, one of the things that we're singing right now a lot in our family is um, in Ephesians, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. And so <laughs> um, I'm literally struggling up with my kids holding hands. They have to do crisscross applesauce and touch knees. And hold hands and like sing that to each other. And so it is just, and so what's been so beautiful is as I'm discipling them or teaching them the way that God forgives us, and this is why we forgive each other, um, it feels like God's discipling my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like such a gift to be able to come to him together, like to say, yeah. mommy gets this wrong. I forget too. I lose my patience too. And, and we get to come together to the foot of the cross to ask Jesus for help. And what a beautiful thing to like wear out the path of forgiveness, to wear out the path of asking for help and prayer for each other, for other people together. Mm. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful you kind of unpacked that because it it really recognizes that there's a shift in the way that we want to respond, which is this space that I even I identified in the like, no, honey, I really I really don't want you to help me make dinner. I just need to be efficient and move on here, right? Or in yeah. the frustration of like, I know I'm so frustrated right now, but it's a stopping of being like, we actually all need a heart change. We need to shift. Like this moment is screaming for Jesus. Yep. And so your kids, when they get older, are going to tease you about, remember when mom used to make us sit around in a circle and our <laughs> knees touch and hold hands singing? And we're like, they're going to laugh and it's going to be a thing. But that's when you're going to know, like, those are the moments where you all just made it stop and say, like, Jesus, we need you. Mm. So whether you are mm. holding hands or your knees were touching or it was a deep breath right? Yeah. Like this moment requires the intervention of our God who loves us, who, who wants to be with us. And so I was most like, most recently I was moved by one of the series that you have on Instagram, which is um, on Mondays, you do this memory Monday where you just pull this beautiful scripture song and you sing. And what I was most moved by was you put in this moment to breathe. And that's what I like reflected on you. Like you were singing, you sang a phrase and then on the, the screen, the text just came up, breathe. And then you sing another one. And I was like, oh my goodness, what a beautiful space 
that you're taking these scripture melodies and then you're also looking to grown-up disciples who are also feeling that anxiety and angst and it's like you said in that moment oh you this moment might need jesus yeah so we're going yeah. to like we're gonna breathe and we're gonna sing this song together and then we're going to look at the thing that's causing us anxiety and we're going to ask the Lord to bring peace to it. So what does it look like recognizing that the Lord has so clearly caused you, like called you to disciple children through music, particularly with, with either be, it being completely scripture or having such a scriptural theological bent to it that they can't help but hear the words of God in it. You're also discipling adults your music mm -hmm. as well and for anybody who's coming to the child discipleship forum that is why you're there is that we will have spent an entire day listening to various incredible leaders talk about what it looks like for us to intentionally and biblically disciple the children under our influence and so then you come in at the end of the day and it's like we hold it all up before the lord and we just worship together, asking him to bring us peace, because otherwise that moment feels incredibly overwhelming and daunting as a leader. So, so I promise there's a question in there somewhere. Like what I'd love to hear is like the Lord has you for child discipleship, music, scriptural um, influence, but also for adults. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, you know, it's been a really um it's been a, a heavier season in Nashville in our city. Mm -hmm. um, it's with, we had that school shooting at Covenant and um, yeah. man, talk about like discipling both kids and adults like mm -hmm. in the middle of like tragedy um, mm -hmm. like that is, it is hard. Your, your, your kids are feeling it. I mean, it just is, it was one of those seasons where it's like, man, all our kids are hurting. We were very connected, um, to that school and, um, Ooh, sorry. It's still hard to talk about. It's so much loss. Um, but we were really closely, um, tied to a lot of the families whose kids, um, we're, we're just so close to that, like awful tragedy. Um, and then my third grade teacher, um, was the sub was the one subbing that day. And so, uh, her life was taken and she is with Jesus now, but I sang mm -hmm. at her memorial. Um, she named her daughter after me and her daughter. Michelle was like, can you come see? And so, um, I, this has been a really, a really interesting thing. Um, because for me, and, and is related to your question, because I think, you know, as adults, whether we're in, whether we're parents or just in leadership, like leading kids, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do to disciple our kids is to preach the gospel to ourselves yeah. and to, to be, um, I, my friend described it the other day as we're swimming like little turtles in the murky water of like getting all the things done and taking and meeting all the needs of our kids and teaching them. And, you know, it's like all these things that we want to be doing, but, but what actually is necessary for us to be able to do that is for us to come up 
and have mm -hmm. the breath and the air and the sun pouring into us so that then we can go pour out. And um, yeah. one of the things that I, one of the, one of the themes in my life as of late, um, with the weight of all of that on our shoulders, whether it's the work that we have to do, um, the chaotic nature of all the noise that we live in, of all the things that to navigate, like culturally that our kids are, um, they're seeing, they're exposed to a lot more because of social media, like just thinking about like, you know, bigger kids too. They're just yeah, seeing yeah. a lot more than was even possible to see. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that just even culturally, but just even the weight of the world, like we're able to know the beauty of the globe, like of the global, you know, community of God, but also the heaviness, the sorrow and the need for yeah. God, the need for God's kingdom to come. Um, I think we can know that in a way. So there's a lot we, I think we're carrying a lot as humans right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has grounded me as of late is breathing. I mean, just like scientifically it brings from the anicula where all the fear, like the fight or flight goes, it, it, brings our our blood flow goes there when we're scared and then or or anxious or or angry and then it kind of brings it back to the logical where we can like use our minds like god says so often yeah. like the renewing of your minds um but it also like grounds us in our bodies it brings so it brings peace scientifically it's like god made us like this and there's a beautiful article by jason gray that i read recently where he he talks about um, Yahweh, like the burning bush and Moses. And uh, when Moses is saying like, okay, so who should I tell this like powerful man? Like by whose name should I tell Pharaoh to release these slaves? <laughs> like, you know, like that's crazy. That is crazy. Um, and, and, and the answer is Yahweh. And in Hebrew, Yahweh actually sounds like a breath. And yeah. so it's almost as if God created us that when we're just taking a breath, we're calling out his name. And so um, it's been a really beautiful thing for me in the moments of real, there are moments of real stress and, um, and feeling like, how do I disciple my kid? Like, how do I shepherd my yeah. kid's heart in this moment when I'm feeling like, super stressed or angry or, or sad or fearful in this moment. And for me, it is the best thing that I can do usually is like, Hey, mommy is going to take some breath and we're going to take a deep breath. And the prayer that I've been praying is of late. I've, I was writing a um, liturgy for every moment. Holy they're yeah. doing. Um, I love those liturgies, but um, yeah. they're doing, I was invited to write, um, a liturgy where they're inviting other people to kind of write liturgies to contribute. And mine that I wanted to write was a liturgy after a fight among siblings. <laughs> because I was like, this is what love, we are doing in my home right now. I love that. And what a beautiful opportunity, you know, that can be sometimes stressful as a parent, but to take, and I introduced breathing into the liturgy because I am like, I need to calm down they need to calm down. And so we are going to take a breath and invite the spirit of God into this moment. And so um, Prince of Peace, bring peace in our hearts and peace in our home. And we're saying that in the midst of breathing. And so it's been a really 
um, it's been a really grounding and uh, a grounding practice for me and a way um, for me to have an embodied faith, <laughs> embodied prayer to literally be like, okay, Jesus, I am breathing you in. I, I, you are the air that I breathe. I'm going to take a, a breath and like, I, I don't even know if I have the words to pray at this moment, but I can take a deep breath and recenter um, my mind and, and my body on you. And so it's been a really beautiful grounding thing for me. And it's been a beautiful thing. It's why I wanted to, it's why I'm putting it in the songs of the scripture. Cause I'm like, sometimes all I can do is take a breath. I don't know yeah. to pray. And in the wake of, tragedy and in the wake of deep loss, which I think so many of us experience on all kinds of levels. Um, it has been, I don't know, it's been a really helpful practice for me. And so that's something that I'm trying to work into my songs, to work into my homes, to work into my refereeing. <laughs> yeah. it, it sort of shifts the moment for me um, and, and gives yeah. some space for my mind to kind of settle and maybe hold on, um, enter into that moment. And I think so often too, as parents, um, or for me, when I'm parenting, um, it is such a beautiful thing to remember that even when I'm a parent, I am God's kid. And yeah. so so often when I'm really wanting my kids to understand something, I'm like, you have to know this yeah. for me to understand, like to remember, like I can't change their hearts. Mm. <laughs> that is the work of the spirit. And if I can remember to bring myself back into the presence of God and then to bring my kids back into the presence of God. And even if that's in a deep breath, um, that is probably the best thing that I can do <laughs> before I even say a word to them to kind of reorient and to remember I am not parenting alone and yeah. God is going to shepherd me as I shepherd. I love that verse. I think it's in Isaiah that says he gently leads those who have the young yeah. and to remember like it's, I'm not the only shepherd here. I'm not the only shepherdess in this scenario. I can invite the spirit into that moment. And so I, I forget to do that sometimes, Melanie. Like yeah. I forget that it is not like they are his. And so it's been, a, the the breathing for me has been a really good way to remember that I am the Lord's and my kids are the Lord's mm -hmm. and we belong to him. And he is such a kind, he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And so- Lately, he's been yeah. shepherding my heart when I want to go into those, I have to teach this to them. I have to get this through mm -hmm. to remember, oh, that, like I can present this to them, but you're actually the one who, who makes this come alive in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one, it, there's a couple who has just it, been like spiritual parents to me. They live in Colorado Springs and um, Peter Carol Mayberry and Peter, I'll never forget when he said to me, um, he said, Melanie, the, the devil is going to drive you. The shepherd is going to guide and lead you. So when you feel driven, look up and find the shepherd. Oh, that's and so good. 
like the moment he said that it's taken me probably 10 years to just feel the weight of that wisdom because of what you just described, which is this as a disciple maker, as a mom, I can feel like it is my job to make sure that these kids understand experience and see God in a way that they can be assured that they will follow after him for the rest of their lives. And it looks at this, like, I got to do this and I got to do this and I've got to do this to, to really make sure. And what I think I've really kind of settled in is that it's like, hold on now, like take a step back and ask, like, Lord, am I being guided by you as I shepherd these, or am I just driving towards this end goal where mm-hmm. I'm going to look up and realize that the sheep have no idea where they're at. They didn't learn anything. And it just went all too fast. And I needed to just be with my shepherd as I led them. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, um, there's another passage in, in one of the ones that Paul wrote, where he talks about how like, follow me as I follow him. Yeah. And many people are always like, that's so narcissistic. And, you know, it's, a, and it's actually what I think he's figured out, which is not that he was making it about himself, but that he was like, this is what discipleship looks like in a community. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to look to the people that I trust around me to say, what does it look like for you to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because they are, they're following Jesus. So I'm going to look to them as they follow Jesus. And I'm going to continue to follow me, Jesus myself, but I'm going to surround myself by a community of people who I'm going to look to as they follow Jesus, mm-hmm. because that's where we see the transformation of the gospel in our lives. Yeah. Right. It's true. It's true. It shifts everything. It shifts everything. And, you know, I think I think there's a beautiful, there's a, just a beautiful invitation over and over and over again um, in the midst of parenting, in the midst of thinking of discipling others is to, to let yourself be discipled. Yes. To yes. Like let that whole thing. It's like, oh, I need to remember this. And I think especially when things are hard, you know, like when, whatever you're like, oh my gosh, we are talking about patience so much and we are still not patient, you know, like I just think about how patient God is with us, you know, how patient or, or, oh, my child is struggling with fear or anxiety. I mean, like, I, I think I read the other day that one in four girls will start struggling with anxiety starting from the age of six. And so you're like, you're like, oh, that is not what I want for my kid, you know, mm-hmm. and of course it's not. But even in the midst of, I think what I continue to find is, and this is, I mean, bringing up that the tragedy in Nashville, God is, he is always moving to the lowest places. He's mm-hmm. always moving to the lowest places. I mean, you look at all the miracles, he's like bending low to draw, to put, to spit in the dust. Uh, to create mud, to put it in the blind man's eyes. He's bending low to wash feet. He is always going low. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I I don't like the low moments. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I like one, two, have fun. I want to always (laughs) sing about God and be rejoicing and serving, you know, like these beautiful things. And that is a part of it for sure. But I think what I, what I end up finding as a parent and just as a follower of Jesus is so often I actually am encountering um, the presence of God and, um, and the shepherding nature of God in those low, hard moments where I'm like, oh, mm. I just messed up and I need 
to say I'm sorry to my kids or man, this really hard moment with my kid that I'm so don't want them to have. God is in that. And, and we can invite him into those places too. And not only is he going to meet our kids in that, he's going to meet us in those hard places where we don't know. We might not know what to say or to, or to do. He's, he's right there in those places too. And what a gift. Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.